Welcome to the mighty mountain. Welcome to the mighty mountain. Let the Lord use you. Let the Lord use you. Now stand up on the mountaintop. Now stand up on the mountaintop. And reach. honor to God. We thank him for his love, his mercy, and his calling on our lives. Um, first thing, let me just correct. We are, my father, Lee Mason Jr., was very close to your pastor, and we were like cousin families. And not, not cousin by blood, but the, uh, he was here when he moved into this church and maintained that relationship, and I had the privilege of preaching here when I was young. Uh, Dr. Atkins let me uh, cut my teeth a little bit here. But let me just back up my brother here real quick. If you are having difficulty keeping it on your nose, I'm in healthcare, and there's a simple way of doing it. You can actually knot it, and it will actually close up this area, close up this area, and be able to hold it on your face if, it's, if it keeps sliding. Uh, and that's just the way that I do because my face is small right here, so it just always slides down. But that's just another uh, method of handling that process. The second thing, um, uh, we want to say that we love you, Mount Ephraim, and we love your pastor. Uh, he, he's very kind in his uh, compliments, but he does have a set of books back there that I want. And, I, and I'll, I'll give up an offering for him. No. <laughs> and uh, he is a he is a, a excellent student of the word, and I get to you know listen at times when he's reading scripture on Facebook, and uh, and then on Sundays when he's preaching, I sometimes listen in after not during the service because I'm usually doing something uh, somewhere else, but usually during the week I get to hear the message, and it's good to have a man of God that loves the word of God. Amen. Amen. Give God praise for the man of God. Give God a gift to you and to us. And then, thirdly, I want to say to the ushers, God bless you. I didn't know it was your anniversary, but happy anniversary uh, to all ushers and, and many who have participated in that role. Uh, whether you're inside the church or in the other section of the church or out at home because you're afraid of COVID. Thanks. Thank God we had you. You bring us to our seats. You enable us to sit down. It's about time that we start getting back into the house. Amen, church. Amen. And then finally, fourthly, I, in loving you, I just want to thank God for um, the encouragement you've been to my ministry. And so, Brother Deacon, are you? Yeah. Come on up here. What? I ain't giving it out. I, I ain't giving it out. I'm going to just say, take this back to the trustees and let them add that to the, to the, to the little change purse. Hey. All right? Hey. We want to bless you. You know, so often people think that we come to give, but we really come to give the word in our lives and, and what the Lord has for us. When I was leaving the house, my wife said to me, she said, so what do you want to do? What do you want to give? I said, uh, she says, this or that. I said, let's give a that instead of a this. 
and you have some things that are going on that you're going to have to take care of. So hopefully the that will help the those things that you're going to be handling. And I encourage you as a church to be faithful in your tithing and your giving. And if you are not here, make sure you give because that is how the church can progress and do the things that it needs to get done. I'm going to ask you to turn with me very quickly. We're not going to keep you long today. Psalm 40. Psalm 40, which is a messianic psalm. Psalm 40. And uh, in Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Yeah. And he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my bones. Father, we thank you right now for allowing us to be here this day, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us unction that we might be able to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and touch hearts and lives to encourage men and women to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and to know your Holy Spirit as their sustainer and to experience the love of the Father that has been from all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you this morning very briefly about inviting God into your pain. Inviting God into your pain. Inviting God into your pain. Let me tell you, there are certain things that happen in our lives, and it seems like sometimes we just allow them to continue to be a part of our experience and of our existence. We carry things with us, and it's what I would call pit-dwelling lifestyle. The truth of the matter is some of us are living in lives that are a pit. Now, let me point something out. Your pastor used the term image of God before I came out here while he was praying. And I kept saying to myself, boy, if this is not a confirmation, I don't know what is. Because the, the reality of it is, is that God has called us to be image bearers. And when he saved you and me, he saved us that we might reflect his image before the world. We are, and, and part of that image is that we are dominion havers and not dominion givers. Can somebody say amen? We're dominion havers and not dominion givers. Our place is to subdue the earth. Our place is to conquer all that is there, to draw from the earth its knowledge, to bring righteousness into, into the world by the way that we live, by the way that we pray, by being salt and light unto the earth. God has called us to have dominion. We are to produce and multiply and be fruitful, which means that we are to raise our children up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. That every person that's here that's called of God ought to be a trumpet of God's word, not only when you come to church, but you ought to be a trumpet in your home. You ought to be preaching it when they come in and when they go out. You ought to be sharing it and showing it when you walk in and when you walk out. When you get to the job, you ought to let somebody know I'm a child of the king. That's what it means to be an image bearer. It means to be reconciled and reflective of the character and the person of Jesus Christ. We are being renewed by him, by his spirit. 
mirrored into his image day by day. We are moving from one glory unto another glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. And even though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day and expressing that we have some wealth within us that then lights the world outside of us. The Bible calls us jars of clay, but when the jar is open, the smell and the odor of the perfume is a bust out as an expression of the conquering power of the God that you and I serve. We are image bearers. And yet, what I learned is that so many of us as Christians who have the calling to be image bearers, who have the calling to show the world who Christ is, who have the calling to make it known that he is our peace and that we are the expression of his glory, are walking in ways in which it looks like we are in a pit. Let me point something out. There's a, there's a, 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 a listen, I, I always thought of, of getting an RV one time. And when I thought about it, and I thought, you know, to travel, to have an RV, but you know what bothers me about an RV? is the fact that when you travel, and you have a, you know, the RVs have bathrooms. When you have a bathroom, and you have to go to the bathroom, there, there is no free flow of air. Whatever is there is right there. And you smell it throughout the whole RV. Now, that may seem a little future to some of you as I'm preaching, but my point is this is that so often us in life have been in the situation where we are carrying and walking around like we're still living in an RV, living in a pit. Oh, you, you, you may not get the illustration yet. If you ain't got it, let me just let me just make it clear to you that some of us are, are, are you know, you, you, when we talk about living in a pit, let me point to that. You can you can move a thousand miles away and the pit still stays with you. You can go get a new home and get a new car, but the pit will stay with you. There are times when situations come that your economic situation seems to grow and you seem to thirst, but for some reason there is still a stink that just is there, as if you were in a pit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know some stinking personality? And when they come near you, you just want to walk away because they carry the sound of a pit. Oh, I'm telling you right now, it's time for us to get out of the pit. And that means whatever pain we have, we need to invite God into our pain. You, you see, you see, let, let, let me just make it clear to you that, that sometimes when I watch where tragedies have hit us, when 2001 hit us, 9-11 hit us, everybody was praying together. We were holding hands, it didn't matter whether we were Christians, whether we were Jews, whether we were Muslims, we were all holding our hands together, going into a silence around the flag of the United States. We were determined to get out of the bed. And for a moment, it seemed like there was unity. But now, 20 years later, on the streets of America, there is nothing but gun violence. There's nothing but murder. There's nothing but thievery going on. It's amazing that we still look like we're in a pit. 9-11 didn't do nothing for us. Fighting in Afghanistan didn't do nothing for us. As a matter of fact, we got so far into the pit that we are at a point where we're 
we're at a standstill and, and we're stagnated in our political ventures because we are so, we have such stinking personality in the office of leadership that they can't even talk to each other and find ground and room for compromise. That the Republicans are against the Democrats. The independents are playing like they've got power to, to shape things and move things. It's just a sickening situation. When right down to the city politics or the suburban politics. It's the city against the suburbs. It's the suburbs against the city. It is regentrification against the African Americans that are still, and the poor that are still living in the city. It's a problem that we're dealing with. It's as though we are living in a pit, and the pit has a lot of pain with it. The truth of the matter is, is that the pit it's such, a, it's such a pain that in the midst of it, you've got alcoholism. Let me tell you, part of that pit, lifestyle is alcoholism. Part of it is betrayal. Part of it is the fact that we have a sense of abandonment. We've got depression in the pit. We've got rage in the pit. We've got sexual addiction in the pit. Every ungodly thing you can think of is reflected of lies living in the pit. The question is, how do we get there? You see, 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 see. And I, I, there, I came up with three ways we get to the pit. One way is that some folk throw us in the pit. Uh, okay, y'all remember that man by the name of Joseph? There were people that threw him in the pit. And you see, the problem, the only thing about being thrown in the pit is the fact that you can actually blame somebody for where you are. I, I just I got thrown in the pit. I'm, I'm down and out. I'm in a difficult situation. I remember when I used to listen to folks say, the white man, don't talk to me about the white man. Show me some integrity as a black man and a black woman to use the gift that God has given you to get you to where God wants you to be. Stop blaming everybody. They throw into the pit. They reject us. There's backbiting that goes on. There's tragedy that goes on. There's crime that goes on. That, that's one way of ending up in the pit. And, 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 and to use it as a grounds of an excuse is only going to keep you in the pit a little longer. You, you see, because you see, I like those movies where folk are down in a pit but somehow they find a way to get out. People like Stallone find a way to get out of the pit. Am I right about it? They, 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 they might be on an ice pack, but they find a way to get out of that pit. I'm telling you, God's got a way. But, but the key is inviting God into your paper. The second way that you end up in a pit is sometimes you slip into the pit. And let me make it clear how that happens. Because it, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, uh, tragedy that gets us to that moment of where we are in a pit. We get to the place where we are distracted, and by the circumstances of life, we get to the places where we are, then become addicted, and then we find ourselves in the midst of personal self-destruction. I'll tell you right now, drugs is the biggest way. People just do it for fun at first, but when it finally catches you, you end up at RCA trying to get somebody to help you get out of the pit. I mean, you know drugs are right in our country. They're everywhere around us. 
They're everywhere touching our families. They're doing all kinds of things that we would not like to have. Alcoholism, we went out and party. Some folk had that background. I didn't have that background. I wasn't as simple as your pastor. But <laughs> I wasn't as simple as some of y'all. Not outwardly. See, see, let me point something out. I almost wish they were outward sins in my life. Because my inward sins were so disgusting that nobody wanted to be around me. I thought I was somebody. I thought I, I made it to the top. I thought when I got saved that I was the best Christian in the world. I thought there was no better Christian man than me. When I got my license, I thought I was somebody preacher. Not in necessarily in terms of oratory, but in terms of lifestyle. I was as ugly as those Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus said, you are like an open sepulcher. Every time you came to me, there was a judgment coming out of my mouth. There was a criticism coming out of my mouth. There was a self-righteousness. I was ugly. I stuck the atmosphere. Thinking I'm better than somebody. We sit around here and look at people that fall. I knew that was going to happen. Nobody asked you what you knew, but God asked you to pray. Am I right about it? We sit around here and say, they weren't meant for nothing anyway. They weren't going. Where have you been? Because maybe they could have got there if you could have to be of help to get them to where they are. That might be why their lives turned into an addiction that put them into a pit because there was nothing but an audience sitting around spectating instead of sharing the mighty transforming, sin-destroying word of God. We're so busy living in a ghetto talking to one another, calling ourselves Christians. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. He said it here, but when we get back out there, we aren't telling somebody that Jesus saved. Yeah, right. To the utmost, Jesus saved. From the government to the utmost, I'm just telling you, I'm just sending you an email today. I'm just a messenger from the king. I'm just a mailman from God saying that the church has been definitely quiet while folks have been slipping and sliding into the pit. Now, there, God's given us a mighty word of deliverance. And we walk around like we're afraid to tell somebody who Jesus is. Jesus said, You deny me on earth, but deny you in heaven. Help me, somebody. And he, he, he made it clear. And I can tell you, there are times when I noticed his denial of me. When I denied him, I lost a sense of his closeness. I lost a sense of his strength. And I just swore I'm not going gonna, gonna to tell somebody that the Lord gave me a joy that the world didn't give it to me. And you ain't going to take it away. And I'm not going to shut my mouth. I'm going to let somebody know that Jesus did. We've got a matchless word that's so dynamic that if we would use it, it would transform our street. But we have sat by and allowed folks to slip into the pit. Reverend. Reverend. I, I'm, I'm just trying to give you a little something, something to take home with you. A little something, something. Just a little something, something. <laughs> but, but, but not only. Do we slide into the pit or are we thrown into the pit? But some of us jumped into the pit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. You see, you see, you see, we jumped into the pit. 
I used to think about how people say, I'm going to do what I'm big and bad enough to do. They wouldn't say it in words, but they would sure do it in action. And see, jumping into the pit is those of us as believers that are jumping into sin, jumping into drunkenness, jumping into behavior that just is so ungodly and outside of the call of Christ. Now, yes, we might be saved, but God doesn't want us all to be saved by fire. Am I right about it? We ought to be striving and marching up the King's Highway together. I, I, I remember that, that song, that, that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Anybody know that song? I remember that from Vacation Bible School. Every time we went to Vacation Bible School, we sang that song. It was like a theme song. But then when I look at the lives of some of those of us that came out of Vacation Bible School, when I look at the attitudes of some of us that sat Look at what David says. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. 
tell you something. God's looking for you to cry out to him. Let me tell you what it means to cry. It means to just yell out. It means to call out. It means to plead out. It means to beg out. It means, God, I need you right now. Here, right now. And he said, God dwells near to those that are broken and a contrite heart. He likes to use some broken folk. You hear me? And when you're in a pit, God doesn't intend on leaving you in the pit. Because, listen here, I like what Jeremiah says when he says, I know my thoughts towards you, and they are for good and not for evil, and that ultimately you will have peace in the end. See, God has already set you aside. He's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's lifted you from the muck and the mire, and as, as the psalmist said, he set you on a rock of Jesus Christ, and he hasn't called you to live like you're in a pit. You got to know how to call him. You got to know how to call him in the morning, call him in the afternoon, call him in the evening, and don't stop calling him until you hold on to him until your change comes. Oh, let me tell you, when Job was in his pit of, of anxiety and his woman said, hate God, curse God, get rid of God, and die, Job said, you must be kidding Shall we accept good at his hand and not evil? Yeah, yeah. Let me help y'all. Sometimes when you're in a pit, it's not because you were picked on, but it's because you were picked out. <laughs> y'all don't get picked <laughs> You weren't picked on. You were picked out. God said, I'm going to set you out like I did with Job, and I'm going to put you in a position where your muscles are going to have to get exercised, where your faith is going to have to become evident. But that's outside. But then he goes on and says, 
my iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head, therefore my heart failed. You see, the psalmist came to a place where he didn't want to just look outside and blame everything else, but now he had to get to the place where I'm part and parcel and participant in my pit life experience. God says, I don't want you to just call on me, but I want you to also recognize in your own self that you are part and parcel of the problem. I'm here to solve your problem. I'm here to secure your problem. I'm here to deal with it. But there is a human responsibility on you where you've got to look in the mirror and say that I am the criminal that operated in rebellion with the intention of assassinating the king by the sins that I committed. Did y'all hear what I just said? Every time you commit a sin, it is like you are in rebellion with the heart toward assassination. He says, no, 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 no. You need to confess. And I love what John says. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah. Let me help you. That is the scandal of the cross. Because later on, First John says, for he is our propitiation, which means that he's our mercy seat. That, let me tell you, that whatever law is against us, the mercy seat is there to swallow up the anger, the justice, and the righteousness of the law because Jesus laid his life down. That's why in this text, it's a messianic text where it says, listen, you don't want calves and bulls, you want my body. You've written of me before I even came. Jesus said, I'm coming, and long it is written of me in the book. And here you are. You've got to get to the place of recognizing I need to invite Jesus in. He, listen, listen, people have some issues and addictions, but let me tell you, when Jesus really takes a part of your uh, part, participate in your pain, I'm telling you right now, he gives you a power within that, 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 that no man can compete with. I remember when my mother was a smoker. She was a smoker in the doctor, and after she had my baby brother, she got, and he's now 49 years old, she still kept on smoking, and she was 41 at the time she had him, and, uh, but she kept on smoking, but at 60 years old, that woman went to the doctor and said, you don't have much longer to live if you keep on smoking. But let me tell y'all something. She turned around and said, I need to invite God into my pain. I've been a part of destroying my temple, and I'm asking God to move. And right now, I can stand here and say my mom is 88 years old and still hanging in there in the name of Jesus because she invited Jesus into her pain. Whatever made her smoke, she got rid of it and gave it to the Lord. We've got to invite him into our pain. We've got to let him come in with his cleansing blood and his sanctifying power and lift us from up from where we are to where he wants us to be. We've got to give consent. You, you say consent. Yeah, yeah. What you talking about, preacher? What I'm talking about is this. Consent. You need to consent to what God's will is. I, I, there's a passage of scripture that 
I go to sometimes. And it's right here in 1 John. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That we, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desire of him. Let me translate that in a term and in a way that all of you know. As the Lord's Prayer says, not my will, but thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me just translate. I need to consent to the fact that God made me his image. I need to consent to the fact that he's called me out of darkness into the Father's light. I need to consent to the will of God laid down in his word so that I can break the generational bondage that has cursed my life. I need to consent so that I stop looking like a gerbil just running around on a cycle and going nowhere faith. I need to consent that God's will is there and it's going to take me from point A to point Z and bring me to glory. And that when I consent, I then line up with his will. And when I line up with his will, if I've been thrown in a pit by somebody else, then guess what I learned? That God gives me a spirit of forgiveness like Joseph. That be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Walk in love. I get into the Joseph mode and I begin to understand that my God says you got to lay your, your, your anger and your grudging aside. You got to put it out there and just let me step in and handle the vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Pour goodness on their life. Let me tell y'all something. I had a problem in a church. Deacon treated me like absolute dirt. And, and, and I, I sometimes wonder, I mean, 12 years pastoring that church, we never talked about the Bible. This one particular deacon. Another deacon who was along with him. I just knew every time he opened his mouth, it, it, it was a phony praise of Lord. <laughs> it was the same story for 12 years. Three quarters of the time that whenever he talked, he glorified his family. And I said, no, we're going to talk about Jesus. That deacon treated me like dirt. But listen here, when he lost his son about a week ago, The Lord laid on my heart to write him a lovely little message. Now, I'm going to tell y'all, when I wrote the message, Pastor, and I had to edit the message because the first sentence was probably not appropriate. The last sentence was not appropriate. But you see, when you invite God into your people, God brings people into your life that God will use to help you see your own self and to then be a key to your own purification. And I let somebody read what I hear, what I wrote. They said, Pastor, what if you 
took out the first sentence and the last sentence, what would it look like? Reverend, I see where you're going. I said, it would look like the Lord sent it. Can I tell you what happened at that moment? The phone hung up on me. I took out the first sentence. I took out the last sentence. Because all that was in between was nothing but walking in love as God had for Christ's sake who loved us. I went on and sent it. He didn't respond the first day because I knew he was shocked to death. But when I got the response the next day, thank you, Pastor. Bless your name. Bless the Lord. Oh, God bless. And I said, you know what? I said, hallelujah. The Bible says overcome evil with good. You've got to understand that when you've been in a pit that somebody threw you in, you've got to learn how to overcome evil with good. Pastor, somebody may have torn your back out yesterday, but just love them none the same. But deacon, somebody might be talking about you today, but don't worry about it. I'm they might not like where you take them and sit them, but don't worry about it. Just keep on loving them in the forgiving grace of God. And watch God do something that will transform their lives as he's transforming yours. You've got to trust God and not trust yourself. But then, in order to get out of that pit, you got to think on loving, on God's loving kindness. Let me help y'all. Many are his thoughts toward you. See, when I get to thinking about my pit, I start thinking about that he's loved me with an everlasting love. Yeah, yeah. Listen here, y'all. That means that he loved me before I was ever born. That means he loved me when I didn't know his name. That means he loved me when I was in my self-righteousness. That means he loved me when periodically I denied him before many. He didn't deny himself. That means that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That when I invite God into my life and into my pain, that no matter what I'm going through, there's nothing that will separate me. Neither death, nor war, nor violence, nor any other thing can separate us from the love of Christ. And therefore, the Bible says that we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. I want to tell you, we got a word of victory today. That I'm a conqueror in the name of the Lord. I'm victorious in the name of Jesus. I stand strong, and I stand up, and I know the devil can't do me. No problem. Because I got a God that I invited in and asked him, to become a part of my life. And I want to tell you right now that God loves you. And so I challenge you in the third point. Don't you dare give the devil a step, a, a foothold in your life. That when the pit comes in, don't you bow down and become hopeless. That's a sin all by itself. You know the Lord will make a way somehow. Am I right about it? When beneath this, what I bow. Listen, when God is in your life, you don't have to look down. All you got to do is look up. Like the psalmist says, look unto the hill from whence cometh your help, because your help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. I'm connected with thee, who's the owner of a cow on a thousand hills. And if it were not for the Lord, there would I be right now, except the Lord build the house. 
will they prevail? Thy challenge in Mount April, here in the, in the congregation, uh, and also you that are in Facebook, invite the Lord in to your pain. And I'll tell you something, he's a doctor that never lost a patient. He's a lawyer that never lost a case. He is the manufacturer of stars without number. And if he can do that with them, check it out. He knows every hair of your head that falls at the moment that it falls. So that means he cares for you even and more than he even cares for the stars. Because you are the children of the Most High God who are created and renewed in the image of God. Don't you ever think that the rocks have to cry out for you. And then like the psalmist said, the when he get through with me, Sing a song of praise. I'm going to lift him up. I'm going to magnify his name. Because I invited him into my pain. Today, Jesus came that you might know the living God, the Father of all creation, and the source of all redemption. And I challenge you today, wherever you are, if you're in the house or outside the house, I challenge you today and I beseech you, invite Jesus into your life. What a difference he will make. He will give hope to the hopeless. He will give blessing to the bitter. And remove the sickness that's in your soul. Oh, what a God we serve. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you do, say amen. If you do, stand on your feet and give God a hand clap and let it be known to God that you love him today. You want to be getting up and saying, thank you, Lord, for another day. You want to be getting up and saying, I, I love the Lord because he heard my cry. You want to be getting up and saying, oh, I'm tainted and thinking that the Lord is good. You I want to know how to have comfort. 
pain. I'm telling you, when you give your life to Christ, he will do the impossible in your life. He will show you that he'll be with you through the hard struggles of life where you'll know that his hand is a part of your experience, that you have been picked out and not picked on. Give your life to Christ. And then, give your hand to serve in God's house. It is time for us to come back to the house of God. He called us to fellowship. We're wearing our masks. We get our tests. We get our temperature tests. It's time for us to come back and rub shoulders that we might be a key to knowing Christ in each other's lives. If there is one, give a call to the church and let us know that you want Jesus in your life, that you want to get right with God, that you want to be a part of the church. You want your life transformed by the power of God's Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we ask you to do this. Father, thank you right now for those that come to the sound of my voice. Bless your word. Let it do only that which you intend for the accomplish. Salvation and your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.
very much for this, your word. God, thank you for the proclamation of the word. God, thank you for this service that you have sent. God, we pray that this will continue to be impactful far beyond today. God, we pray that it will be far reaching and as a result, our own personal lives will be changed, our homes will be changed, the church will be changed, the community will be transformed, this state, this nation, and this world will be made different as a result of this word going forth. God, thank you for the impact of your word. God, now bless this your preacher. May it be used to continue to build him up, to encourage him as he continues to proclaim your gospel. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. People of God, say amen. 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 What a mighty word that we've heard on today. Um, amen.